Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Warren Luckett from Black Restaurant Week coming up in a little bit. But first, before I introduce my co-host this week, I just want to thank everybody who listens to the show every week. I noticed recently that we have about 45 uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts. I think that's pretty good. Like to get that number to 50. So if you haven't had a chance to review us on Apple Podcasts, please do so. Uh, I steal a line from Katie Nolan only if it's five stars, only if it's nice. But you are always welcome to email me your feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, Eric, E R I C, at culturemap.com. And of course, if you're new to the show, thanks for being here. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. So if you're listening through one of those apps, you know how to subscribe, please do so. We really appreciate it. I am joined by my co-host this week. She is a beverage specialist who has consulted on the cocktail menus for a number of successful bars and restaurants. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. What a mouthful. What a mouthful. But we got to tell the people. We're trying to trying to grow this thing just a little bit. I, I love this audience. I just wish it were slightly bigger. So tell a friend. Tell a friend. All right, Linda, we have a lot to discuss. So let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. Uh, I'm just going to be blunt here. There are a shitload of new restaurants that are going to open this year. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about four of them, all of which have been announced in the last week or so, starting with Chris Shepard the James Beard Award winner behind Georgia James, UB Preserve, Hay Merchant, One Fifth, announced that he will open a new restaurant dedicated to live fire cooking in Regent Square. This is one of the new mixed-use developments coming to Allen Parkway at the intersection of Dunleavy. Uh, Linda, Chris has already announced he's opening Wild Oats in the Houston Farmer's Market with his uh, chef, Nick Fine, and Georgia James Tavern, a, a more casual version of his steakhouse in, uh, in the Market Square Tower downtown. So set himself up for a pretty busy 2021. What do you think about Chris Shepard cooking with live fire in a fancy pants mixed use development? I mean, stay golden, pony boy. I mean, they just keep cranking stuff, you know? Um, just really knowing and understanding that that they do everything very well. I mean, everyone, everyone on those teams. But what else is going to be around them in that complex? Well, there's like several hundred apartments. So they have a built-in kind of base of residential support. There are two other restaurants coming. Uh, the real estate developer has not announced what they will be. Uh, my one other thought about Underbelly Hospitality, of course, is that one-fifth is closing at the end of the summer. The, the five-year experiment is coming to an end. And so you're going to have chefs, cooks, front-of-house people, bartenders, uh, all of which are going to presumably need new jobs. And, and you probably want to hold on to that talent. And so redeploying them either to Wild Oats or to this live fire restaurant seems like a good way to do that. Well, I think it's also interesting that it used to be 
people liked going to the same restaurants and become regulars. And I, you know, in the past, but now I think just in general, because of the way that restaurants, restaurants come and go is that I think that him always opening new things keeps people coming back, you know, um, unless you're an institution like, you know, Ninfas or, you know, something that is just always the same. I think that it's, it's smart to constantly be re reinventing yourself and the staff. I think a lot of us in beverage, in food, in hospitality, like new things, new, new, new dishes, new movements in, you know, in our spaces. So I'm, I'm very welcome to all that. No, absolutely. And I think part of the interesting explanation for this is that Chris has been cooking at home a lot more right during the shutdown. And he, you know, he has a smoker and he has a grill and he has this and he has that. And it just kind of got him entranced by this idea of live fire cooking. And I, I'm really curious to see like what he and his team kind of do with all that. Cause I, I think, you know, we like, we like smoky flavors here in Texas and, and for him to kind of put his spin on that, you know, not in a barbecue context, but just in a, you know, grilled meat, roasted, whatever kind of uh, milieu. I think that's really interesting. I think, I think that's going to be really delicious. Yes. Okay. Let us move on to topic number or, or new restaurant two. Uh, ben Berg, who has also announced that he's opening two new restaurants is actually opening a third Nopo cafe market and bar. Uh, Nopo refers to North post Oak, which is, which is to say like a little kind of neighborhood with a bunch of apartments that's sort of west of Timber Grove, north of the Galleria and east of Spring Branch. Uh, you know, I, you could call it, I, I, I was sort of joking with my editor, you could call it Audi International Heights after the private school that's, that's right there uh, and instead of NOPO, but that's what they're calling it. Uh, this is an all-day cafe concept, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And he has hired chef Jose Hernandez, formerly of Lucien, formerly of Trinity, formerly of Etoile, uh, to be his culinary director and develop the menu for this. Now, Linda, I know that you did some consulting and some work with Lucien. So talk to me about Jose Hernandez and, and kind of what you think of this fit between Ben Berg and the chef. I mean, honestly, I think it's a, it's a great fit. He actually has been running that he, well, he ran that hotel for, for the Valencia group. Um, and so he really understands the, 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 the change from morning, lunch, dinner, you know, from beautiful croissants in the morning to, you know, refreshing salads and then going into like a really beautiful service at night. So having that, that breadth of, what a, a boutique hotel is and, and now into a space where people come, come through. Uh, I think, I think this is a perfect fit for him. He's also one of the nicest guys ever. I did a cocktail class um, at the hotel and I would always be coming. I would always swing through right before dinner service and do this cocktail class. And what I love so much about walking in there is, is that chef would always have family meal 
for, for the staff. I mean, that not everyone does that anymore. And so, you know, I, I was just coming into setting up for my bar and my class. And I just remember him coming. He's like, Linda, you're here, your family, sit down, eat with us, grab a sandwich, or I made this soup today or, you know, so on and so forth. So I'm really excited to see what they've got going on. And I mean, honestly, it's refreshing to see that the Burke Hospitality Group is constantly giving vision to whoever's working, you know, under these concepts. You know, every every concept has, I think, is done very well because there's a, a lot, a lot of you know, nice movement within these spaces. So I'm excited to see what they've got going on. Right. No, I I agree with all of that. I think Jose is is very talented, uh, particularly. You know, I, I mean, I thought the food at Lucien uh, was good. I liked his work at Radio Milano, actually, before that. Um, you know, hidden away a little bit in, the, in that downtown hotel, Alessandra. So this kind of gives him a more, a more prominent stage. And he'll be reworking certainly the pastries at, at all of the Berg Hospitality concepts, which I think is, is pretty exciting because, you know, Jose's, Jose's tart to tan, if, if for no other dish, is the best tart to tan. And so I know that he'll bring that, that kind of talent and technique to, to everything else that he's doing for them. So, yeah, I think, I think this is a really interesting fit and, and an interesting concept for, for Berg Hospitality, which, you know, is, is kind of sit down a little fancier. This is, this is going to be counter service, you know, in the morning and in the afternoon, you know, it'll be a little more affordable. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how this develops because it definitely seems like, the sort of concept that that could go multi-unit if that is what they want to do. All right. New restaurant number three, Bex Prime President Molly Voorhees and real estate executive Carolyn Doros, childhood friends and graduates both of St. John's School, are teaming up to open Agnes, a Mediterranean-inspired all-day cafe in the former Tropicalis space in Boulevard Oaks. I had the chance to meet with Molly and Carolyn and they have a really clear vision for this. You know, it's, it's partially inspired by restaurants they've been to where they've traveled. It's partially inspired by restaurants that they loved in the cities where they attended college and graduate school. So it's just this kind of interesting concept. And I really think that it, it seems like it's very, you know, this is, this is Molly's neighborhood. So she essentially told me she walked past this space during COVID and her neighbors kept bugging her to open something. And so she said, all right, if you invest in this, I'll open a restaurant. And so she got a whole bunch of them to give her money to make this happen. Interesting. I, just, I think it's really an interesting kind of, you know, coffees and pastry in the morning, salads and sandwiches at lunch. And then like kind of bistro, you know, steak frites, roast chicken, all that kind of stuff at dinner. Could be, could be a really interesting fit for that neighborhood. Hmm. Interesting. I'd like to see the space re- reworked. Yeah. Well, they're, they're working with the, the guys who did the lighting for Nancy's Hustle. Oh, man. Yeah. That's the best lighting. Unless you're trying to take pictures of food with your phone and then it's the worst lighting. But in terms of like an inviting atmosphere and like a romantic glow. It's the best lighting. I mean, I'd really like to see Brittany, you know, style that style, those rooms uh, from, from, from Nancy's. And 
uh, and Littlefoot. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I think it's one of my concern, my concern, not my concern, but like parking, you know, beverage. What is that going to look like? You know, what is that service going to look like? Right. Parking. Parking is clearly the biggest challenge with that building. Yeah. You know, they're they're counting on the neighborhood to support it. Right. Their vision is that people will walk or ride bikes or whatever, and that it'll be kind of this this kind of cute little neighborhood spot. And obviously some people will come from slightly farther away and they'll need to park. But that's the that's the vision. Now, whether they achieve that or not, I you know, hard to predict. But well, we'll, we'll just see what happens when uh, when when they open up. Absolutely. All right. And then new restaurant number four. We're traveling all the way to Las Vegas because the Blood Brothers are opening in a in a food hall. They are opening in Famous Food Street Eats, a new food hall at the Resorts World Las Vegas Hotel and Casino Complex. They are in very prestigious company. Their their little barbecue stand is going to be right next to a fried chicken joint from uh, celebrity chef Marcus Samuelson. And they've recruited, the hotel has recruited a whole bunch of these like Michelin rated hawker stands from different countries throughout Asia. Steve Aoki, the music producer, is opening a restaurant there. I mean, this is, this is like a big deal and a very interesting opportunity for the Blood Brothers. I am so excited for those guys. That is awesome. I hope they do their Thai green boudin. I hope they do all of their like wacky fun stuff. Cause like, I love those guys. I champion for them. I am so ecstatic for them. Thank goodness. Come on up boys. <laughs> yeah, no, I, this is, this is a nice uh, synergy of good things happening to great people. Oh yeah. You know, cause it's not, it's not that long ago that they were, doing pop-ups at like Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company or Glitter Karaoke or, or wherever, you know, they were this kind of underground sensation. You know, they open that restaurant, it takes off, it gets all this national press. And I mean, what, what happened is, as they explain it, is that uh, Chris Cosentino's business partner visited the restaurant when he was here in Houston and thought that it would be a great fit for that food hall. And he's one of the people recruiting concepts to the food hall. So that's how it all. That's awesome. And I just think it's uh, it's just an interesting opportunity for them. And to your point, what makes blood brothers really fun to eat at are the specials, right? The goju junk pork ribs, the, the Turkey banh mi, the, the Thai curry boudin, all that stuff. So they're going to, they're going to do a little bit of that. But they're also going to just do like Texas Trinity in a, you know, part of the world where there really isn't a lot of traditional Texas barbecues. So Hell yeah. I think it'll be, it's, a, it's an interesting fit. And this is a massive, like an utterly massive, like $4.3 billion project overall, the hotel and the casino and the resorts and the shows and the restaurants. So, you know, it, certainly they'll get every opportunity to succeed there. And if they do a good job, there's other Resorts World properties around the world. So Hell yeah. it could be Blood Brothers International. And then one more new thing to talk about to wrap up the news of the week. Night Moves Hospitality, a new group that unites former Monkey's Tail bartender Greg Perez with Chef Lyle Bento, who we know from Southern Goods and Underbelly and a whole bunch of other places. Uh, they have pretty ambitious plans. They've already announced two new concepts. 
One is called Space Cowboy that's coming to the Heights House Hotel. And another is the Trash Panda Drinking Club, <laughs> which is coming to the former Edison and Patton. Um, and they, they say they have two more things in the works, but they're not quite ready to talk about them yet. Now, Linda, when I talked to Lyle about joining up with Greg Perez, he said that you were the link that connected them. So let me throw it to you, Grand Connector. What, what made you decide to introduce Lyle to Greg and, and kind of what do you... Well, first off, I, for hospitality. look, listen to me. I love going to Real and hanging out and having delicious snacks and talking to Ryan. And I saw Lyle was moonlighting there. And I was like, Lyle, what are you doing? Well, what's going on? You, you need to be busy with doing something. And so he's like, Oh, I'm kind of working on some things da, 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 da. And so, um, when I heard I'd, I'd been driving by the Heights Houston hotel and I did some, some inspectigating, uh, found out who was going to be opening it. And I just happened to be somewhere somehow. And someone asked, you know, Hey, do you know anyone that can open multiple concepts with a couple of different, like that could do the job. And first thing I thought was Lau Bento needs to get busy. So that's how it all happened. I don't know. I just, I mean, you and I talk to people all the time and there's nothing better than knowing that like, this is going to be a good fit, knowing that this is going to work or, or at least give people options for other, other, other opportunities. Cause I, I mean, Greg has worked at Kaya Onze or opened up Kaya Onze, you know, the program at uh, Monkey's Tell was great. Those programs have done very well. And so I think that they just needed to find someone that could bring up, you know, the food portion of like this next set of concepts. So I'm excited for them. They're going to be doing, what is it? Uh, Hawaiian food. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think Space Space Cowboy is is very interesting to me because, you know, Lyle grew up in Hawaii. And so it's going to be very tropical, right? Some Hawaiian stuff. He's like maybe some stuff from the Philippines, some stuff from Fiji. I just thought it, I, I think that's really appealing. It, it sounds a little bit like what they're doing at Toasted Coconut, but maybe without like the Szechuan flavors. Right? Uh, yeah. Like, and guess what? these guys have a pool on property. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, no glass at uh, space cowboy because they want you to be able to take all of the food and all of the drinks poolside. So I think that's going to be, I, I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And Lyle certainly sounds really excited about it. Yeah. Uh, and actually and Greg will be on the podcast next week. So we'll, they'll get the chance. We'll, we'll get to learn a little more about kind of how this came together and what their vision is on next week's show. And, you know, him making Southern food obviously is, is you know, good news for everybody. I love Southern goods. Everyone loves Southern goods. So, yeah, trash and, you know, just calling a restaurant or a bar trash panda is hilarious. I, I think it, it's fantastic. There is a <laughs> raccoon. I'm told that there is a raccoon, a raccoon mascot. So I'm sure there will be T-shirts and hats and all kinds of other swag koozies with the the trash pan on it's very very good branding 
It is. All right. Linda, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. Linda, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about Tiny Champions. This is the new pizza and pasta spot from the partners behind Nancy's Hustle, which is to say Chef Jason Vaughn, pastry chef Julia Doran, and beverage guy Sean Jensen. Plus, they got Tony Lamparty, who's from New Orleans and worked at Two-Headed Dog. He's kind of running the bar program over there. So it's uh, Bridget Palawoda, who we know from Theodore Rex is working the floor. There, there's, there's just a ton of talent, front of the house, back of the house, et cetera, et cetera, all kind of making this place go. Linda, we had a, a pretty good dinner at Tiny Champions, but let me just throw it to you. Kind of what were, uh, what are your thoughts? I'm a big fan of, of all, almost everything that they do there. I think it is some of the best pizza in Houston. And I know that it's very good pizza when, Anthony Calio from Pie Pizza, formerly of Pie Pizza and now Rudyard's, uh, calls me and says, stop playing. It's good there. I don't know why you haven't been there yet. So, um, yeah. You know, what's, I, I, you know, I don't know if, if the, the prominent local chef who told me <laughs> that it's become his pizza takeout go-to wants me to say his name. But yes, uh, the buzz on the pizza is very good. Uh, and I, I agree with you. I think the pizza was excellent. The, the crust had a good flavor, a nice chew. They got the right amount of char on it. Sauce is flavorful, not too sweet. We got the sausage pie. You can get all those fun little sauces, whether it's ranch or garlic chili oil or whatever to, to modify. No, this is, this is a very good pizza. It, it's, not, it's not crazy money. I mean, they're under 20 bucks for a pretty decent sized pie that fed three of us pretty happily and all the, and all the other little snacks, the fried mussels and the crudo. Like I love like all the, I love the fact that they have other flavors and textures that are not just another carby thing, you know, Um, shaved, shaved mussels under a mountain of Parmesan cheese. I mean, what's not to like. Yeah. Um, Shaved mushrooms. and a really great, you know, that, that carrot sherbet sundae. Oh, it's like, it's sweet. And you get the toasted meringue and the, the toasted pepitas for a little crunch. The pepitas. That is a really smart, uh, flavorful dessert. And so that, good. that made me really happy. I had a daiquiri. I mean, you know, obviously it's a classic cocktail. It was well executed. It was very tasty. We had a we had a shrub that I like more than you did because I kind of like that. You know, thing. but and you know what's funny is, I'm a beverage person. I taste drinks all the time. I make them all the time. I think I've just decided I don't like shrub drinks. I've had three shrub drinks in Texas in the last like month, and every time I'm like, "Oh yes, give me that," and then I I'm like, mm, I just. It's not that it wasn't good. It's just to not, it's like blue cheese. I don't like blue cheese. I don't like Spanish olives, you know, you know, this, those just drinks that there are flavors that I just, they're just not my thing right now. Unless someone wants to change my mind. Cool. But like, I don't have to like everything. So, um, no, you don't. 
you, you don't have to like everything. And that includes shrubs. Um, yeah. The other thing that maybe like, again, pizza was outstanding. That tuna crudo was delicious. We finished all of that. I think the muscle nuggets, the, the little fried muscle nuggets with the aioli mm, are yeah. really fun, smart. It's a different preparation. We've had a million steamed mussels all over the city. Um, frying them is, is fun. It's like a nice alternative to fried oysters. Um, yeah. Only thing that kind of missed for me was that pasta with the braised lamb, which I thought I was really going to like. And I just wanted like a little more something from the sauce, either, either spice or richness or acidity or something. Cause it just, that one dish didn't quite come together for me. Um, which is like nothing that would keep me from going back there, but just like, you, you know, when you order a whole bunch of stuff, something is going to be the least favorite dish of the night. And so for me, it was that uh, braised lamb pasta. Yeah. I mean, overall it was so good. So kudos to them. Just so you'll go back. Duh. <laughs> it's my favorite, <laughs> like my favorite people in hospitality. Like, and I, it is funny. Like I was talking to someone and I was like, gosh, if they carried more of my stuff, I could be here all the time, but you know what? I'll still, I'll still go and support them. Cause I love, I mean, I love the, I love that gang. Um, and then there are, and Nancy's hustles about to roll out new dishes and they have a back patio. So Lord, I'm telling you, they're just trying to keep my making money, moves. <laughs> making, making moves and taking names and kicking butt. That's yeah. yeah I, we need a name for that hospitality group. Ugh. Uh, cause now they have two restaurants. My, I'm, until they tell me that they have a name, uh, I'm going to call it the, uh, the same name that they have given the Tiny Champions Instagram, which is Giant Losers. <laughs> so they are Giant Losers Hospitality until they tell me not to call them that. <laughs> That's great. I love it. All right. Linda, that does it for the restaurant of the week. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, gang. And I'll be right back with Warren Luckett. I am joined this week by one of the founders of Black Restaurant Week, which starts this Thursday here in Houston. Warren Luckett, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Eric. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being here. I mean, I know this has been going on for a while now. I, I want to say since like 2016. Yes. Can we, can we just kind of start at the beginning? Like, what is your background and kind of how did you make this decision to, to start Black Restaurant Week? Yeah, my, my background is I'm a Houstonian. Uh, I, was, I was born here, had an opportunity to kind of move back here towards the end of high school and the end of college, and just have always had a, a love of uh, the city of Houston. You know, it was afforded an opportunity to kind of spend some time uh, in South Africa growing up, which really uh, kind of honed in on my love for uh, just different cultures and and and. and places around the world, people from around the world, because South Africa was really a, a melting pot. And so just even growing up, there was a lot of uh, commonality and similarities between, say, South Africa and, and even Houston, with it being such a diverse, diverse mecca. And so as I got older, um, 
I always kind of just kind of kept that in the back of my head uh, and something that always resonated with me. And so as I, I continued to want to pursue all my entrepreneurial passions, uh, South Africa was always at the forefront, but, but Houston was always uh, at the forefront as well. You know, spent time in New York. When I was in New York, used to throw uh, these huge crawfish bowls because we, we used to love to bring uh, the culture of, of Houston to, uh, to Texas, uh, uh, from Texas to, to New York. And so uh, that, that's always really been my passion. So 2016, a lot was going on culturally. Uh, the cultural climate was very similar to what was happening in 2000, uh, uh, or excuse me, 2020, where uh, there was a lot of just injustice going on uh, that we were seeing for, for Black Americans in the country. And it's always been hard to have a lot of racial conversations, but a place where it was always comfortable to have a lot of talk, even if it wasn't uncomfortable conversations, was always the dinner table. And so we, we wanted to, to really just use that tradition. Um, much respect to, uh, to, to, to the late uh, Miss, Miss Cleverly, but what she was able to build uh, with Houston Restaurant Week, we, we wanted to do something similar with Black Restaurant Week, where we all had an opportunity to, to really just showcase the diversity of Houston in a uh, kind of a more targeted way and, and really have an opportunity to showcase the Black cuisine in Houston. Right. So... Like maybe for people who who aren't familiar with Black Restaurant Week, could you just sort of define like like what it is and, and sort of how it works? Like because like for Houston Restaurant Weeks, I mean, we know, you know, every restaurant that participates agrees to a certain minimum donation. They make it to the food bank, you know, like what is the like how does how do you sort of organize Black Restaurant Week and, and how do you sort of uh, curate who participates? You know, it started out uh, really uh, very, very kind of similar almost to Houston Restaurant Week, where we were working with uh, nonprofit organizations, uh, uh, the Change Nonprofit Organization, Farms Organization, to to uh, donate a portion of, of the participation uh, back uh, to uh, to to that nonprofit. But with us doing Black Restaurant Week, we also understood just the need that these restaurants had, and really understood that the restaurants were the, the, the really focal component of this model that we wanted to support. And so while it was also important to have that philanthropic component, it was really important for us to, to support the restaurant itself. And so that's really what we dug into with our model is, is really trying to help the restaurant, but really to help the industry as a whole. And so where we differentiate is, is we also uh, created a, a culinary showcase, which is NOS, which is our, our black food competition uh, for showcasing the different caterers uh, around the city. We had our Soundbites food truck festival that highlights all the different food truck components. And then we would do uh, these pop-up dinners. Uh, but that's what we wanted to do. We want to really expand it from just showcasing uh, just, just the restaurants to making it about the industry as a whole, showcasing the, the bartenders, showcasing the caterers, or showcasing the food trucks. So that was a way that we pivoted uh, and really expanded, expanded our model. Now, how our, our model operates now, we, we don't even uh, uh, mandate that the restaurants participate with a prefix menu. Now we just ask them to offer a special. We want this want, want our model to be as flexible as possible for as many different restaurants to participate. We have two different types of participation levels. We have our free, uh, free registration uh, that we encourage the majority of our restaurants to participate with. But then we also have a, a, a premium participation level for a small nominal fee that allows them to get a little bit more targeted marketing, uh, higher uh, placements on our website listings, 
uh, as well as some some additional uh, plus ups uh, throughout the campaign. All right. So looking at, at Houston, right. How many restaurants, caterers, food trucks do you have lined up for this year? This year, we're on pace to do uh, 100 restaurants, uh, food trucks, and, and caterers. So, so we're extremely thrilled with the growth of Houston. Houston has always been uh, home for us. It's always been one of the largest campaigns. And so we're really excited to, to showcase just how much Houston has not only grown, but sustained uh, throughout the pandemic. Well, right. And, and I think it's sort of, you know, we could sort of think of maybe Black restaurants as being kind of focused around traditional, you know, Southern soul food, barbecue, but it's so much more diverse than that. And yeah. I, I think that's one of the things that, that BRW really showcases. Oh, Eric, Eric you're spot on. And, and that's, and that's what we, we love. We love showcasing the whole African diaspora. So that's the Caribbean restaurants. That's the African restaurants uh, from around the city. So that's the, the Jollof Rices of the world to the, to the reggae huts. Uh, there's just such an, uh, an amazing and, and, uh, and diverse uh, uh, participation uh, th- throughout the year. Do you, do you have any, I, I know it's hard to pick a favorite or two, but do you have a couple of places you're really excited that are on the roster this year? I am. Uh, we, we just signed up uh, 13 uh, today, which is uh, James Harden's restaurant uh, that, that just opened up. I, I think that's a, a really kind of cool concept uh, showcasing uh, showcasing uh, Chef Tobias's uh, food over there. Uh, but I also love some of the staples like uh, this is it. Uh, we had an opportunity in February to do our legacy series, which showcased black owned restaurant establishments that have been open for over 50 years. And this is it is, is one of those. Uh, and it, it just, it just goes to show that, you know, we have uh, not only just diverse type of restaurants, but we also have this amazing legacy of restaurants in Houston that, that have really fed some, some uh, amazing people uh, over, over the years uh, and over time. Right. So, I mean, I, I don't want to stray too far from Houston, but you've taken this national. Yes, we, uh, we, we, we have taken a national. We're going to be uh, in 15 markets this year. Last year, we had uh, we, were, we were blessed to do over 675, showcase 675 uh, businesses uh, throughout the country. You know, we, we were in New York, we're in Los Angeles. Uh, this year, we're expanding internationally. We'll be in Toronto. Uh, we've already got a, a list of about 20 amazing restaurants in the Toronto area that, that we're, we're going to be so excited to showcase. And, and that's our goal is to continue to, to take this international uh, and to showcase the culinary contributions of uh, the diaspora uh, really all over the world. But, but really remember that it all started at home. And, and, and we, we always want to what this is, uh, we want this to be to the food industry, what, what the Essence Music Festival in our community was, was to, to music, right? Where folks from around the world know that you can come into New Orleans and you're going to get an amazing music experience. Well, that was how we really kind of started this with Houston, because we knew Houston had the food, we had, we had the stories, we, we had the diversity of establishments from the lounges to the, to the bars, to the restaurants, to you know, the Johnny Rose of the world, where you're getting this amazing, uh, amazing immaculate thirteen, uh, a thirteen seat, you know, uh, 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 dinner, you know, experience. We we wanted to take that and really showcase that to the world. Yeah. So I I guess I mean, obviously the pandemic has been very challenging for restaurants all over the world. What about BRW? I mean, how are you sort of responding to that? Because we're 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 kind of right on the cusp of people feeling very comfortable dining in, but some people are still only doing to go. Yeah. Some people like outdoors, some people like indoors. Like, like how are you accommodating all that? 
Yeah. So last year we, we, we understood very early on that restaurants were deemed an essential business. And because they were deemed an essential business, they were going to be able to, to essentially stay open. And, and because of that, it was going to be more important that, than ever that our, our campaign tried to touch as many businesses as possible to market that these restaurants are still staying open. And so through our campaign, we encouraged the restaurants uh, to, to highlight the delivery platforms, to highlight uh, their, their different takeout menus. And we, we've had different uh, business development seminars with some of the different uh, platforms out there that are allowing these restaurants to consolidate their uh, their order, their, their delivery platforms to, to one centralized hub. And, and now they can take orders from, uh, from, from one platform. And so in addition to being a campaign, we try to be a, a business development platform for uh, these businesses as well through some of the different uh, corporate partners that we have, as well as some of the different business seminars uh, and, and business panels that we hosted. Last year, we were also able to establish Feed the Soul Foundation. Uh, Eric, I know you asked me originally uh, you know, what was really kind of that, that philanthropic component that, that really that, that we're really driving. Well, now through the establishment of the Feed the Soul Foundation, we're going to be able to uh, to benefit more restaurants than than ever. And, and so through our, our uh, grant program, we're able to give our first cohort of businesses uh, $10,000 cash grants uh, in addition to, uh, to to consultation that's going to allow them to have menu development, to have bar program development, to have a nutritionist come in and, and, and really help develop their program. This is all coupled with our uh, partnership with Amogee Bank, a local bank in Houston that's going to give them uh, a financial uh, a financial development uh, 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 program. Uh, we're going to be working with different marketing partners that are going to help provide them with the, the tools to be successful with, with digital ads and the digital marketing that's, that's really vital for these businesses to grow. In addition to the grant program, uh, we also have our emergency relief fund. Uh, we're going to be giving out over $10,000 in, uh, in, in, in stipends to businesses that have been affected by the, uh, the winter storm that took place in Houston, Eric. So if, if there's any businesses that have been affected uh, that, that are marginalized, we, we want them uh, to, to register, we want them to apply uh, for, for these grants. And then lastly, we're also going to have a, uh, an educational component helping the future of the culinary industry, giving out scholarships to, to students at HBCU, scholarships to students of color that are in food programs, food and hospitality programs, providing them with mentorships as well as internships as well. All right. That was a lot. And so I just want to, I want to just slow down and just break it down just a little bit. You, you talked about kind of business support and education for restaurant owners. How did you kind of recognize that there was a need and a desire among operators for that kind of assistance? And how did you sort of develop that program to help people grow their business? So through, throughout the, uh, the growth of the campaign, we, we've tried to kind of just take note of, of the things that, the, that a lot of these businesses would need. Uh, we, as we would onboard restaurants, you know, sometimes they wouldn't have a, a great website. Or a lot of times, you know, when we would do press outreach, uh, press or uh, press then in return would ask for photos or food photos. And uh, some of these food operators wouldn't have, you know, great food photos. And so we understood that there, there's just some, some components from a marketing standpoint uh, and from a business de development standpoint that, that were, were really missing. Um, oftentimes, a lot of these businesses are, are often looking for access to capital. And, and in addition to access to capital, we want to make sure that if they get the capital, that they're able to leverage it in the right ways 
to be sustainable. And then how did you sort of develop a relationship with Amogee that's facilitating some of these programs? So I, I had the opportunity of uh, sitting on the board of the Greater Houston Black Chamber of Commerce and uh, through our partnership uh, with the chamber and, and Amogee Bank, some of the amazing things uh, that they've done with the Black Chamber, uh, we've been able to establish some great relationships. Uh, and uh, we were then able to, to reach out to Amogee. Uh, uh, they were uh, very interested in, in kind of taking part and in, in really helping uh, the Black business community grow here locally. And uh, we were able to, to really put together a, a program that we're going to be very excited to roll out very soon. Right. And then you've, I mean, you've developed a number of sponsor relationships with this program, haven't you? I mean, this is, um, this is kind of, this has become a pretty big deal. Yes, no, uh, it, yeah, it's very blessed, man. It's great, grace of God, man. We, we've been able to have some amazing partnerships. Uh, we've been able to partner with, with Pepsi, uh, Grubhub, uh, Bacardi, uh, Anheuser-Busch, uh, uh, as well as Maker's Mark. Uh, really just been, been, been able to, to come in and create some, some really unique partnerships uh, that have allowed uh, those, those uh, wonderful corporations to just to showcase uh, their commitment to uh, the Black business community and, and to showcasing all these amazing professionals, uh, whether it's the bartending competition where we're able to showcase the different cocktails uh, through uh, fun and interactive uh, rounds of competition uh, to even, even some of the business development uh, panels uh, that we mentioned. So, I mean, when a company like Pepsi or, or Anheuser-Busch or whatever comes to you, I mean, what are you sort of seeking from them? You know, because if they, if they want access to your community, obviously they've got to give something up. So, so when you interact with them, like what's the, what's the balance between this is, a, this is a valuable relationship that could be really productive for you, but you right. got to make sure that you, you get enough to make it worth the community's effort, I guess. No, that's a, that's a great question. For us, we we want to make sure that they have uh, real real skin in the game, but they're making a, a, a vested interest for the longevity. You know, uh, oftentimes through through a lot of what what's going on, you see it kind of being a, a flash in the pan. But for us, this this is something that that we're, we've kind of committed our lives to. This is this is this is what we find our purpose in. And there are so many businesses that not only now are going to need it. But, but for the next 15 and 20 years, they're going to, to need this support. And so from all the partnerships that we established, we try to find ways that they're able to provide resources they're going to provide, that can provide sustainability for, uh, for the businesses that participate. You know, we want to take these, these good businesses and we want to make them into great businesses. We're excited to have and to showcase uh, the Black businesses from our community that have done a, a, an amazing job. Of, of, of launching. And so now how can, can they continue to expand? How can they continue to become that second and that third business so that we can see, uh, you know, national franchises with, within, uh, within the space of our own community. And for us to do that, we're gonna, it's gonna really take that corporate support. It's gonna take the corporate support that allows them to understand how to, to scale their business from an operational standpoint, to how, to, how to scale your business from a financial standpoint, how to scale your business from a marketing standpoint. Um, and, and so really being able to drive the same resources that they would with that large family owned, you know, corporate chain that that's in Houston. How do you take those same, you know, resources and, and, and help uh, a more specific demographic industry as well within the industry, I should say as well. Sure. All right. And then 
just elaborate just a little bit on this culinary education component um, because obviously, you know, there's a culinary school is expensive and working in the restaurant industry is not very, is not always very lucrative, at least when you're starting out. So, you know, creating that means of support is, is so important. No, a- a- absolutely. And, and so how we're initially planning to roll that out is we're going to be giving out scholarships to, to students that are in the, the food and hospitality, uh, 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 programs within some of the different HBCUs, but as well, well as some of just the other culinary programs uh, here around the country. Uh, from there, we're also going to try to partner them with uh, different mentors that are in the space that are going to allow them to learn, right? Uh, we want them to work uh, uh, smarter and not harder. And I think a, a way of, of being able to do that is being able to connect them with amazing mentors that have already gone down the path that they're trying to pursue. So if, if we can be intentional uh, with with uh, the mentorships, I, I think that is going to be very significant in allowing uh, the next generation to to have opportunities and to continue to be creative and, and quite frankly, to continue to teach us. Uh, one, one thing that we've, we've learned uh, uh, through this project is that no one person uh, uh, can, can really do, do this alone. And so it really takes a team and, and it takes a community. And, and that's what makes Black Restaurant Week work all around the country is that we go in and, and, and we make this a community project. We go in and we check, check in with the established operators within the community, the elected officials within the community, the, uh, the super dope. Uh, uh, food writers such as Eric, when you got to come to our food dinners from day one, you've been holding us down from day one. Got to throw that in there. Uh, so, so you know, we 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 try to make sure that the 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 people that that really already have a voice, you know, they they see our vision and and, and they see the importance of of what we're trying to do because it's not for us. It's, it's never been about us. It's never been about Black Restaurant Week. We always say, use us, just don't misuse us because our platform is 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 for everybody. Yeah, I. Can we just sort of we sort of zoom out or maybe or maybe shift just slightly from BRW? I mean, what is your assessment kind of of the state of black owned restaurants in Houston? Because I it's funny, I, I drive past the breakfast club all the time. Yeah. And every time there's a line. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it's all the way like it's all the way down to Main Street. It is. For anyone who's never been there, that's I mean, it's like a city block of people, you know, masked up and lined up waiting for catfish and grits and wings and waffles. Yep. And, you know, I know Chris Williams and, and uh, Chef Don Burrell just partnered up. They're going to open a new place in Midtown. Turkey Leg Hut is famous, you know, like world famous at this point. Yes. Harden just opened 13. So I guess from, from my sort of outsider perspective, it seems like the state of black owned restaurants is pretty strong. And I just kind of wanted your take on, on how that community is doing and, and kind of how you see it shaping up in the next couple of years. It's, 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 it's really strong. It's, it's as strong as it's been since we've started the campaign and we're really excited to see the Houston scene continue to grow on, on, on an international, international level. I, I think you said it, Turkey Lake Hut is known all over the country, all over the world. And I think a lot of that has, has uh, been a byproduct of, kind of this influencer kind of quasi celebrity movement, right. With through Instagram and social media that, that they're making going to these spots when, Hey, when we're coming to Houston, because to, you know, be quite frank, Houston was open, right. A lot of the social scenes uh, in Houston were open. So Houston, even through the pandemic was one of the cities that a lot of people that are very social media heavy 
was a, was a destination. And so as they were coming to Houston, uh, they're always taking photos of the places that they're eating as they were coming to Houston. And so I think that caused a little bit of, of, of momentum, even, even in terms of the notoriety of, of Houston as a culinary scene. And, and so now, as you saw, you know, now when celebrities come in town, they want to go to all these different establishments. But what I love about it is it's not just the turkey leg cuts. They also want to come and get get their barbecues of the world. They want to come and get their crawfishes. They know when they come to Houston, they're able to get a um, a dining uh, experience that they can't get anywhere else in the country. It's it's more diverse from from your mom and pop to your fine dining within the black uh, uh, culinary community, really than anywhere else in the country. Well, and, and right. So as you're sort of, you know, traveling to different cities and, and interacting with all these different communities, this is kind of a leading question considering we're a Houston based show, but, but <laughs> where does Houston rank for you nationally when it comes to sort of black owned restaurants specifically? It, it's, 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 it's not even, it, well, it's, we're number one. Let me just say it like that. It, we we are <laughs> Houston. Houston is number one. I I always get. Uh, I'm I'm always overjoyed right around this time of year when we have an opportunity to showcase Houston. Now I will say our largest campaign was was in New York last year. It was year one in New York, and we had over a hundred black owned restaurants. So so now our goal for this year in Houston is is a hundred. We want Houston again to be one of the largest. Uh, uh, participants, but when you couple ambiance, when you come, when you couple uh, fusion of cuisine styles, uh, when you couple just just some of the different creativity, as well as just well-known uh, culinary chefs, like you mentioned, the, the Chris's of the world, uh, Chef Chris of the world, Chef Dawn's of the world, Chef Johnny, Chef uh, Chef Shakti, uh, we Chef Javai, we go on and on. It, it's it's really just a very very unique community, and this community continues to support each other. Um, uh, I'd also like to add one thing that has been cool through this is, is seeing all the different uh, uh, cuisine preferences, if you will, or cuisine trends as we move around the country. Like right when we go to Los Angeles or really even on the West Coast, we see a huge uh, uh, participation of, of not only international Jamaican uh, as well as like Ethiopian restaurants. But we also see a tremendous participation of, of healthy and vegan owned establishments. I can't overstate how many black owned vegan establishments are in Los Angeles or in Phoenix. It's, it's really, really kind of cool to see how they've uh, kind of taken uh, on to uh, the culture of, of their cities and the identity of their cities as well. Yeah, I, I guess that is that's not really something I consider, but there is that kind of tradition of vegan and vegetarianism in the black community, right? I, I guess green seed would be kind of the one that, that yep. comes to mind here or uh, uh, the one in uh, we, one on the East end next to the Thai restaurant, whose name I can't think of. Right. No, we, we've got, we've got some amazing, uh, uh, not only restaurants, but like ur- urban frequencies an amazing black owned uh, food truck here locally. And, and, and so Eric, we've tried to make it as simple as possible. So we don't have to remember all these amazing establishments. So <laughs> you can go to our website, blackrestaurantweeks.com. Sorry for the shameless plug, but on there, it, it functions as a directory where you can, you can filter by your, uh, by your uh, uh, dietary restrictions, right. Or you can filter by your zip code and, and figure out which black owned restaurants are, are closest to you. You can filter by your delivery apps. And so that's one of the cool platforms uh, that, that we, uh, that we encourage everybody to, uh, to take advantage of not only during Black Restaurant Week, but all year round. You can go to Black Restaurant Weeks and, and literally go through our directory of, of restaurants within the Houston area that have participated and figure out uh, your favorite. All right. Let me, and let me just ask you about something else because 
it's topical. It's in the news. Obviously, the the trial of uh, Derek Chauvin started this week, and it, you know, I think we all were inspired by the protests after the killing of George Floyd and and Black Lives Matter really asserting itself nationally. How have things sort of changed for you since last summer in terms of the the interest in supporting black owned businesses or maybe like like people from outside the the black community like really wanting to to show that they're allies with this movement and and you know patronizing restaurants is is such a good way to do that i think it it, it really is uh it's always just been one of those things that hey you know food is food has always been just a safe means of 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 communication and participation but i think a lot of times this has been access and knowing you know where you know how can i help where can i go to i've always wanted to try uh you know a, a, a black owned restaurant but i may not have known you know where to look and, and and so that's really been one of our goals goals is to to be able to create that platform to to show folks uh you know this is this is where you can go uh we've we've been over kind of over overjoyed and overwhelmed with the support from people from all walks of life that have have wanted now more than ever just to have an opportunity to to experience and really to understand um, you know what it is for 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 us to 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 to, uh, to kind of live and to go through uh, you know go through life as 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 blacks in America um, and and that's been one of the biggest things is, is people just being open open to the conversation open to just saying you know there is a difference I, I got to be honest you know there it's a little different it's, it's been a little harder for them you know and all right I know it's been harder. But let me actually talk to them and see why it's been harder. Okay, now I see why it's been harder. Well, now what can I do to to help and maybe just kind of help even even the playing field, um, just just a little bit. And it's so and it, it, it like just y'all just just by just the masses going and supporting black owned restaurants, it it helps so much. It, 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 I can't understate how much it helps from a marketing standpoint, how much it helps from a revenue generation standpoint. You know, now we're talking about Chris. Chris is, is opening up a, a second concept. That's amazing, right? Now we're talking about these amazing food operators open up mu- multiple concepts uh, within their city. And, and in the past, that wasn't something that, that we, we saw uh, in, 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 um, in, in masses. You know, being able to watch Johnny go from a restaurant now to a grocery store, seeing, seeing there being a, a community of support that allows, you know, the Black creatives within this space to kind of not thrive and, and to grow. It's, it's, been, it's been amazing. Yeah, no, and, and I appreciate you saying that. And, and I, the only other thing I would add is, you know, the West African scene has been blowing up here in Houston. Huge. You know, Marcus Samuelson featured them on uh, no passport required. And, and I've been to a couple of chopping block meals and, yes. um, and, and I think, you know, to the extent that that might be intimidating, like people are curious, but maybe like they don't know where to go or where to start. You know, I, my only, my only comment would be, you know, watch, watch the episode, right. <laughs> get it get an idea of like a dish or two you want to try and then just be just be friendly and say you know what do you recommend because obviously these restaurants are are open and available and welcoming and you know a little bit of interest always goes a long way yes no no you're spot on so i i have to ask you what what has been uh your, your favorite new black on restaurant of late Ooh, you know i um well, it's not new. I, I will say I got to Lucille's 
like more in the last year than I had in a while. And I had a media preview at 13 that I enjoyed, but I have not had a real dinner there yet. So that is very very much on my list. Oh, you know what was new to me? uh, Because they relocated. I never made it to the original Famous Barbecue. Yes. We're out on Post Oak. And then they moved to Sawyer Yards. And I just, I like that restaurant so much for the sausage and the ribs and that crazy barbecue cauliflower. And they're such nice people. Um, all of all of those things have been have been really validating. I, I, I throw one more on the, the list. If you get a chance, is try out the uh, the Greasy Spoon. Uh, they won the, the Black Plate Award uh, Newcomer of the Year, and so we uh, we do a a bit of a uh, public. Uh, participation during Black Restaurant Week, where you can go and where we have the public vote on their favorite restaurant, their favorite uh, their favorite chef, uh, uh, their favorite international restaurant, and so uh, that was one of the, the the newcomers of the year, a, a, a huge 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 uh, a favorite. I think they're already in the uh, plans of of expanding uh, as well. Man, that was good. Man, I'm really impressed. I'm All right, really where is where the, is the greasy spoon? It's on the north side. Don't 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 call me exactly where, but it is. It's, I think it's going going a little further north. But it's uh, got, man, it's the greasy spoon bistro. Got some some really good food out on that. On that All side. right, well, you know, I recently moved to Third Ward, and so I'm still kind of learning my way, okay, around the neighborhood and and trying to, okay. you know, like I I I got I got Frenchies handled, and now I've got to like nice. I nice. got to expand a little bit. See, Frenchies yeah. is going to get you handled. Frenchies will get you hooked. You know, that's, that's well, I mean, I've been eating Frenchies for more than 20 years, I would say. I love it. No, I love it. I, so, love, it. I love it. You know, it's just I got to I got to I got to get out, you know, now that now that it's a little more comfortable to get out and try some things. That's that's my goal for the next couple of months is to to learn a little more about what's in my neighborhood. No. OK, cool, cool. And, and uh, would you mind? Can I send you a, a little short list? Uh, yes, absolutely. In, yes. in your neighborhood. Can I, can I do that? that thing yeah, right? I'm going to get I'm going to make like a badge that said Warren sent me. <laughs> Don't do that. Know that, that I'm, <laughs> they know that I'm, uh, you know, a friend. No, no, that's good. No, I love it, man. I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. No, but but again, we, we definitely just uh, we, we want to let, you know, any marginalized business, whether black owned business, uh, a Latinx business within the city of Houston, know that if they've been affected by the storm. We, we do have uh, uh, funds and stipends that we are looking to to give out to them uh, if their businesses were, were affected uh, uh, as well. All right. Well, Warren, I'd, I'd say that brings me to the end of my questions. Is there something else you would like to discuss? No, man, this is amazing. Uh, again, man, just thank you again for, for your con- continued support. Um, of course. Uh, over, over the years. Like it, it's, it, it's, it's uh, you know, even starting out, having had, had the establishment of a Houston restaurant, we can haven't had that uh, support from Cleverly Out the Gate, having the support from you, you know, just all those, those amazing articles. I think it just made people comfortable uh, just, just kind of being comfortable, just going and being willing to to explore, and, and that's what we want, you know, people to do is, is just, just, just discover. Look at look at this as a discovery opportunity. Uh, Houston is the most diverse culinary community I think in the country, regardless of black restaurants, just across the board. Uh, and, and so it's just so refreshing that the community has has as a whole has just taken to uh, to this campaign. So again, April 2nd through the 11th, blackrestaurantweeks.com for all the participants. We appreciate it. All right, it. well, Warren, before I let you go, you have to play the lightning round. Let's do five it. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. 
Warren Luckett, what is your what is your favorite thing to order off a uh, soul food lunch counter? Oxtails. All right. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Uh, concert. Ooh, ooh. Band. I don't know. I'm bands. I'm a soul brother. Uh, I saw Michael Jackson live. <laughs> there you go. Hey, that's a that's a great answer. What is uh? What is your uh, fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Fast food guilty pleasure is uh, my, my uh, chicken strips from Whataburger. All right. Uh, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Warm Moon. <laughs> and then finally, when you go out for pizza, what are your go-to toppings? Pepperoni and peppers. Awesome. All right. You, you, you gave us the website just a second ago, but give it to us one more time. It is a uh, black restaurant weeks with an S.com uh, click on Houston. And, uh, and, and we can't wait for you all to uh, follow your fourth to, to Houston black restaurant. Week. All right, Warren, thank you so much. Thank you. Eric. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.